So I'm just going to go through this. So the first one is what I've called perceived value. This is like, well, this thing could be valuable someday, or this thing was expensive when I bought it, so it's valuable, or owning this thing makes me valuable. And I think that last one sort of... That's a big one. Oof, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're having some real talk about clutter minimalism and relationships. It's been shown in research, and many of us can just relate to this personally, that being in a messy, cluttered space actually increases anxiety and depression and decreases our well-being and our sex drive. But more than just Mm. that, it can actually lead to fights with our partners and our friends, and it can make it more difficult to start new relationships. We're also going to talk about some common misconceptions about minimalism and explore how we can use some concepts from it in our lives to actually improve our relationships as well. Sweet. Well, you just uh, get me and Jace today again. Yet again, Dedeker is out. We wish her well. And yeah, um, yeah, she's, uh... she's had a death in the family and therefore is just off of the show for two weeks um, just because she's going home and taking care of business and stuff and being with her family. So unfortunately, we do not have her on the show again today, but we wish her well and can't wait to have you back hopefully next week, Dedeker, because we miss you so much. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's jump into this. So yeah, this is something that you and Dedeker actually do so much and something that I'm trying to employ in my life more, <laughs> but I'm always like so impressed by the two of you living in this like very minimalistic way to me. But can you can you kind of like talk about just real quick like what minimalism is just for the layperson who doesn't really employ that necessarily in their life? Well, totally. And we'll get into this like more in depth later. But I do okay. want to clarify right now, like I think minimalism is a very interesting philosophy and it's something that helped me a lot in kind Mm -hmm. of downsizing my life. But I I don't want people to think that this episode is about saying like you should be minimalist or that Mm -hmm. there's a particular way of doing minimalism that we all should do. Like I I actually don't actually don't think that's true. I, I don't think that minimalism is for everyone. And I also don't even think it's necessarily the best way to be I know that for some people, though, it is really rewarding. And essentially, it comes down to this idea of not having, like, not holding on to more stuff than you actually need or, or like, value. It's like focusing on what's important to you Mm -hmm. rather than just having a lot of whatever, you know, the stuff that's not important as well as the stuff that is important, right? Yeah, Everything yeah, that from makes like a lot of sense. our technology to our clothes or whatever. It's like not having, you know, like I had that's a one, big one for me. One point, like, yeah, clothes. Yeah, for me, uh, electronics like cords and adapters oh, yeah. was something that I just had like boxes of. 
Um, I, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> when we lived together, yeah, that was definitely like, the, we had like this closet that kind of uh-huh. just was, ended up being like our bullshit closet. And there <laughs> yeah. were so, so many cords and yeah. random electronics and random things in there. Yeah, You totally. know, that some of it we did need and some of it was stuff that you actually used, but it also was just kind of like an amalgamation of many, many different years of you know, compiling mm-hmm. things and just kind of letting it sit. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, you know, while having chords in itself isn't a bad thing, it is if it's like, I didn't know, like some of them didn't work. Like, what is this? I didn't know yeah. which ones worked and which ones didn't. It was just, you know, it ended up taking up space, like you said, in that mm-hmm. closet. And then it also ended up contributing to like time wasted looking for it. And... Uh, it turns out that clutter in our lives can actually like has been shown in lots of different surveys and studies and just anecdotal evidence that it really does affect our relationships, too. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I'm trying to think how that's the case. It doesn't talk about that in these studies, like oh, why oh, this yeah. would be the case. Yeah. Like why what would be the case? Why Why does someone have maybe a less successful relationship or moments of mm. less success in their relationship if they have a lot of clutter in their lives? Well, yeah, let's start out by looking at some stuff just about um, sure. not relationships specifically, but just more like personal well-being. Um, okay. And these are just some like interesting stits and stats that we pulled from various places. Uh, but so the first one here is that I've heard this a few different places, but that during our lives, we will spend about a year of our lives looking for misplaced items. That's an incredible <laughs> statistic. Just unbelievable. Yeah. That an entire year, just like take it off of your life by looking for stuff that you have no idea. That That's always my keys. I have mm. no idea. It, like yeah. they get it, lo- it gets lost in the couch. More times than I can say. Yeah. I thought that I had completely <laughs> lost my Ray-Ban sunglasses and, you know, they, they were just on the couch. They were on the couch. So Jeez. when in doubt, look there. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, this one's interesting. So the size of the American home has nearly tripled over the past 50 years. Wow. Which is which is interesting when you think about like those of us who live in apartments. We're like, what are you talking about? No one can afford homes anymore. But... <laughs> But uh-huh. it's true that over the past 50 years, homes have gotten so much bigger at the expense of our yards, for example. Like mm. the, people don't have yards as much anymore. Um, yeah. Right. But homes have gotten bigger. But not only that, but also storage lockers, like uh, offsite storage. That industry is one of the fastest growing industries in the entire real estate market. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best things to invest in. Yeah. Period. It's a yeah. it's a $154 billion industry That's, of storage. Wow. I can't even fathom that amount of money. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. And, and I guess the point of that is not just to be like, whoa, crazy numbers. Whoa. The, the point, though, is that having stuff costs us money, right? Mm-hmm. That So having a lot of stuff and needing to have a big enough house for it costs us money. And paying for offsite storage costs us money, right? Yeah. Uh, um, And then so that's just like from a practical sense. But then also it's been shown that clutter increases our cortisol levels. Mm, Very important. Right. And cortisol is an important hormone. It does good things, too. But having too high of it 
uh, is what's responsible for things like high blood pressure, loss of sex drive, um, stress. Lack of sleep. Yeah, not getting as good of sleep. Mm -hmm. Totally. So something that was interesting in some studies about this one is that our cortisol naturally goes up during the day. And so generally that's, it's a little bit elevated, hopefully not too much, but it's like a little more elevated uh, during the day. But then when we come home at night, it's supposed to dip back down. It's like as we're starting to kind of wind down and relax and reset. And that's how we recover when our cortisol is lower. And when the cortisol is higher, it's so we can be like, be doing our stuff, right? It's helping us to perform, you know, you need that energy. Um, But what they found is that when people had cluttered homes, that that cortisol level would stay high. So it's like they would come home from work to clutter and that cortisol level, instead of lowering like it's supposed to, it's going to stay high. And that this was, the studies found this to be especially true for women and their explanation is probably that women uh, have been taught to take on more of the responsibility for the home. Mm. And so therefore their reaction to clutter is going to be more one of feeling like, oh, this is a problem I have to deal with. Uh, whereas that didn't tend to affect men as much in these studies. But I think that it all really depends. And I also do like this idea of like, there's just another piece of evidence of why, say if you're a straight man who lives with a woman, you know, who lives with a female partner, if you're uh-huh. ever feeling like, I wish that we had sex more often, clean do the, the dishes, clean the house, clean the do house. the dishes, right? Like get, get rid of yeah. clutter because there's science backing it up that she's coming home. Her cortisol is staying high, which is going to kill her sex drive. She's not going to sleep as well. You're basically making her life shittier and, and also not getting what you want just because you're not helping enough. So if you, a, if you needed yeah. some more reasons, really there good. you go. <laughs> That's a really good thing to remind everyone out there. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of housework-related chores, um, the kitchen is actually one of the areas that gets cluttered the most. I can definitely tell you that from experience <laughs> with all of the dishes that are currently sitting in my kitchen right now. Yeah. Um, because we don't have a dishwasher and everything has to be done by hand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it definitely is one of the things that couples argue the most about. And this is according to the National Soap and Detergent Association. I didn't getting know rid that of existed. Clutter, yeah. I know. I love that. Getting rid of clutter would eliminate 40% of housework in the average home. That's fascinating. I do know, um, yeah, we, uh, what was I going to say? We have um, a lovely woman who comes and helps out and cleans, um, helps clean our house, which is a, a huge privilege. I know Jace's uh, roommate in when he lives in L.A. uses, yeah, we have the same <laughs> contact to help us clean our house, and she's wonderful. Um, but I know for myself, every time that happens, I find myself wanting to pick up beforehand to help her out to like mm. clean up beforehand and yeah. get all of the crap out of here so that like it really really makes a big difference and yeah i feel so much better when i come home to like a clean house that everything looks amazing and just simply because yeah. there's not so much crap strewn about and yeah. that's that's easier said than done sometimes but it does seem to make a difference i think for sure yeah, definitely. And it's it's something that, you know, during this time of year, like after, you know, it's been cold, unless you're in Australia, it's been cold lately. <laughs> and uh, that... Especially just, where you are in Seoul, Korea. Whew. 
Yeah, it's actually, it hasn't been too bad this last week, but yeah, fairly cold here. Um, and the, it's like we've been cooped up inside a lot more during mm-hmm. the cold times. And this is a time when there's also a lot of tension, often in relationships, a lot more arguments. Cabin lot, fever. Right, yeah. cabin fever, more arguments are happening. And that it's like we have this thing that we could be doing, which is decluttering, instead of waiting till spring to do it. If we did it during this time, when we're more likely to get into fights and things anyway... I think it could really help us a lot in our relationships um, in, as well as our personal lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. So, okay. Can we talk now about some misconceptions about minimalism uh, and people like Marie Kondo <laughs> and, and just kind of, yeah, talk about what minimalism is and what it is not. Yeah. So here's a, a fun little definition of what minimalism is not. Minimalism is not about, owning a specific small number of things. It's not about being some wealthy, privileged solopreneur. It's not about <laughs> joining some elite is that a, club. Is that a word? Like yeah. an entrepreneur, a solopreneur? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But like a solopreneur, like, you know, oh, I've got, I've, I'm a business owner, but it's just your one person business where you make, oh, a, make a bunch okay. of, you know, like a Tim Ferriss type something. I don't know. Sure. Anyway, it's not about joining some elite club and it's not about... Um, being adorable while you throw away everything that you love. Uh, like, <laughs> Ricardo, yeah. Ding. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, some people will try to say it is those things, right? Mm. Either because they themselves are minimalists and are like, oh, I'm so much better than everyone. Like, I'm so successful now because I only own 16 things. And, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Or people might say that it's those things because they're like, minimalism, stupid. It's all just these, you know, elite jerks who are privileged and just buy things and throw them away. Mm-hmm. So some specific shout outs uh, that we wanted to give are to sites like Black Minimalist, BlackMinimalist.net and TheAfroMinimalist.com. Uh, and yeah, I, I wanted to throw this out there. I did see right around the time that Marie Kondo was kind of being super predominant in Netflix and everyone was like condoing their life and stuff (laughs) that I I read an article, I think it was either in the Atlantic or in the New York Times about the fact that a lot of families who are first generation families who come over from another country, uh, how minimalism maybe doesn't serve them in the same way that it does other people just simply because they're bringing over artifacts of their time in the previous place in which they lived and really important, you know, memories and stuff like that. And just to get rid of it or maybe what some people perceive minimalism as being as just like, well, you have to get rid of, of and declutter your life and take away all of the things that uh, that were sentimental to you and like, you know, get rid of your sentimentalism. Um, but that that may not be serving people who do come from these other places and want to hold on to a part of the life that they had there. So that is just kind of, you know, something to think about here. And again, we're not saying that with all of this. We're rather just trying to show you like how it can be implemented into your life. It's kind of like in, we've, in ways that help. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've talked about before, uh, you know, with codependency or in talking mm-hmm. about, um, you know, how entangled your lives are. It's more like if you listen to this episode and you're like, oof, yeah, clutter is negatively affecting my life. Sure. Let me see if some of these ideas can apply to me and can help me to improve that area of my life rather than looking at it as like, I only own 10 things because I can't afford more things. 
and you're now you're telling me I have to get rid of them? Like, no, that's completely not what's not what we're saying here. Sure. Right. It's like if you see like, yes, this is a problem for me, then hopefully this can help you. Absolutely. So, so, okay, what is minimalism? Yeah, so this definition comes from theminimalists.com that I, that I really like the way they put this here. They say, Is this the same minimalist podcast people or is this yeah. something else? Yeah, this is oh, the, it is. Okay. Yeah, cool. the same guys that do the minimalist podcast. And there was a documentary called The Minimalists. Uh, and then this oh, I totally didn't say that. From their I need site, to look at it. theminimalist.com. Uh, so, minimalism is a tool to rid yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important. So you can find happiness, fulfillment, and freedom. What I like about that is it's not about having certain numbers of things, but it's about like the point is to focus on what's important, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I want us to keep in mind throughout this whole episode. Uh, So here's another quote from them. Minimalism doesn't mean there's anything inherently wrong with owning material possessions. Today's problem seems to be the meaning that we assign to our stuff. We tend to give too much meaning to our things, often forsaking our health, our relationships, our passions, our personal growth, and our desire to contribute beyond ourselves. Want to own a car or house? Great, have at it. Want to raise a family and have a career? If these things are important to you, then that's wonderful. Minimalism simply allows you to make these decisions more consciously, more deliberately. And I, I like that. It actually reminds me a little bit of what we talk about on our show. It's like we're not saying everyone needs to be polyamorous or everyone needs to have lots of partners, but more mm-hmm. like let's actually be do deliberate it. about it. Yeah, let's do it intentionally. Let's do it consciously. Sure. What other kind, whatever kind of relationship we're going to have. So I, I really yeah. like that. No, I like that very much. So I, I let's talk about in both of our lives. And maybe in Dedeker, you can speak for her a little bit, too. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, just because you're with her so often, but how minimalism shows up in our lives. I guess I can talk about this because it's it's been prevalent recently. Uh, when I go to China and live for two months, I live in an apartment and I can take like two bags with me and that's it. Um and the apartment is furnished, but it doesn't, you know, have any knickknacks or anything in it like my apartment in Los Angeles does. Right. And I love it. I just absolutely adore having so much less shit <laughs> and so many less clothes. That's mm. a big one for me because I really hold on to clothing. Like I've had a lot of I have a lot of clothes that I've had since I was um, in high school even uh, just because, you know, they're nice pieces and they still fit and blah, blah, blah. And I I just want to keep them and why not? Um, But because of that, it's caused me to have to just like gain so much more over time because I'm still buying stuff possibly more at a a larger rate than I'm getting rid of things. So it definitely has caused me to have so much more over the years. And that has become really apparent to me when I go over to China because I have so much less. And it's incredibly freeing in Mm. so many ways just to have so much less. And so I know when I came home this time, I really was like, just get rid of it all. And and I have stalled on that a little bit more. But one of the first like projects that I did was come back and get rid of um, like a bunch of my bathroom stuff and hmm. makeup and like old things that I just had lying around and really like go down to what I absolutely needed and what was necessary. So I have a question for you. So this is interesting. Please. So yeah. 
when you said like it was so freeing to be mm-hmm. there with less clothes. Yeah. It, <laughs> before, less options too. Right. So like before you were like before you went and did that, though, if someone were like, hey, you need to, you know, pare down to like half of your clothes. Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, I'm, I'm imagining in China, you had way less than half your clothes, right? It, oh, yeah. I, we, uh, pff, yeah. Right? Like a, a tiny, tiny fraction. Way of less. Clothes. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like, that's interesting that if you were to just say, hey, Emily, you need to pare down to half as many clothes as you have now. That's like, Ugh, that, uh, that seems awful, right? Mm-hmm. And yet. But I did it. Your actual experience of living that way. And granted, it was temporary. But yeah, your actual was experience was not like oh gosh i never have what i want to wear it was freeing that's that's really yeah, interesting i mean i rewore a lot of the same stuff over and over again and mm-hmm. i was i did like pack for winter because i was going to shanghai in winter and right. so it's not as though i had a bunch of summer stuff as well uh but i really i i was very deliberate in my choices when i was leaving to to go over there and really, like, what is going to serve me best? And then also, you know, when I am caroling, when, I, when I'm when i working at Disneyland, I have so much... I wear the same thing underneath my costume over and over again. So I was like, well, I'm just... I'm going to wear that every day <laughs> that I'm working. And then right. I can take, like, a few extra things that I'll be wearing on my days off. And that was it. And it was, it was freeing. So... It's something to think about just when I will say when you put yourself in a situation or whenever you're in a situation where you have less, even if it's on a trip or something like that, it can kind of show you, hey, maybe I can live with this much stuff or with less than I generally have that's always in my house. Uh, Because, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't have as I don't have to take as much time like trying to figure out what the hell to wear every day, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And it's it's interesting just that like the process of getting to less stuff can feel scary and can be difficult. But often, yeah. at least, you know, my experience has been that having less stuff has almost all of the time felt felt freeing. Right. Has felt yeah. so much better of just sort mm-hmm. of like, oh, wow, like I, I like all of my stuff more. Yeah, right? like it's I, good. The things I have, I really like. And if I start to be like, I don't like this thing, I'm more aware of it instead of just like, yeah. oh, yeah, throw that in the closet with all the other things I don't really use mm. or, or you know, stick that in the closet with all the other clothes I don't wear. If I have something where I see myself now with a lot fewer clothes going, I just keep looking at that and going, mm, I don't really want to wear it. Then it's like, OK, yeah. cool. Why don't I get rid of that? Why don't I give it away or donate it or something while it's still nice instead of having it sit in my closet for 10 years and then eventually need to get rid of it right oh yeah i mean i have stuff since high school and when was high school i I graduated in 2006 who boy Uh, i for sure yeah (laughs) yeah maybe i mean and then add another four to that so yeah almost 20 years old i think i have some things in my closet that is almost 20 years old wow yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> that yeah, I can say about 20 years. Geez. And it's that thing of like, if you're still wearing them, that's one thing. It's not to say like, sure. get rid of stuff that you're using. It's more about the yeah. stuff that you don't. Right? Yeah. Um, okay. So, so this is all well and good to talk about in theory. And I think when a lot of people that I talk to personally about clutter and about minimalism and, or, and things, they go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, I definitely have a lot of things. 
you know, I have a lot of clutter. I'm sure I could do that. That sounds great. But mm-hmm. then actually trying to do it is often very difficult. And For sure. So I made a list of three kind of main reasons why we either collect the things or have trouble getting rid of the things. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of pulling from different people's articles, different people made different lists, but these are kind of the ones that from those three, I sort of boiled them down into these three. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm just going to go through this. So the first one is what I've called perceived value. So This is like, well, this thing could be valuable someday, or this thing was expensive when I bought it, so it's valuable, or owning this thing makes me valuable. And I think that Ooh, last one sort a of big a, one. Oof, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The second one is sentimental attachment. So this is attaching lots of meaning to the stuff. Either memories that, you know, this thing commemorates some sort of memory or even just the memory of me getting this thing. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on there. And then the third one is saving for someday. And this is kind of the like, oh, well, I don't want to get rid of it because it might be useful someday. Or the one I hear from my mom all the time, it's like, oh, well, someday my kids might want this or my grandkids might want this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's a big one for yeah. my mom, too. And I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> I, I don't know about that. <laughs> if I have a child ever in my life, maybe won't ever happen. So we'll see. Right. Yeah. And then the last one is it, that it seems wasteful to get rid of it. Right. So it's even like, I don't even have a real purpose for this thing eventually, but it just somehow feels wasteful to get rid of it. So we're going to go through each of these three reasons why it's hard to get rid of things or hard to evaluate if we should get rid of something, right? Getting rid of it isn't always the right answer. Um, We're going to go through each of these. uh, But before we do that, we're going to take a quick moment to talk about uh, how you can support this show and uh, you know how you can keep this going as well as getting some cool stuff for yourself. Hopefully that's not contributing to your clutter and actually helping <laughs> you to downsize though. Or get, get better things instead of just anything. More meaningful. Yeah. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, 
and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. So as we get into this, we just want to remind you that all of these reasons that we're talking about, the perceived value, the sentimental reasons, and the saving it for someday, those definitely do have validity. Um, They have value, but the purpose here isn't for us to just tell you what's actually worth keeping um, and what isn't, but it's just to sort of get you to start asking those questions for yourself. Like, do I really need this? Is this really providing value to my life? So again, with all of this, we just want to throw that out there. Uh, so let's get into the first one, which is perceived value. So this thing could be valuable. Uh, so there are collectors out there. I think of my best friend, uh, James, when we grew up, like he had a stamp collection. He had a coin collection. Oh, really? He had like, you know, <laughs> a t- yeah, I'm thinking right now he has like busts of composers and he has a Star Trek like fleet of like all of these little Star Trek. Uh, yeah. Miniatures. Like cool little miniatures. Yeah. I think they're <laughs> the, the fleet of airships or whatever. I'm not a Trekkie, so I'm not quite sure. But yes, but uh-huh. it's. It's a lot of collections in his house for sure. Uh, so those those that's really cool. And if you're a dedicated collector or someone who like creates a museum for your home, that's all awesome. But the problem can come when we collect without intention, when we're just like, oh, I'm going to get this and this and this. Even the coin collection sometimes, if it doesn't necessarily have intention, it can just be add to a bunch of clutter. Yeah. So, like for me, this was yeah. my, my baseball cards from when I was a oh. kid. Wait, you like are into baseball? I'm I'm not, but I was as a kid. Oh, you were? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I was, you know, like go to minor league games that were nearby and wow. I had baseball cards and things and I had like a I I don't think I ever knew this about you. <laughs> Jeez, you learn something new every day. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where I ended up keeping a lot of this stuff for a long time after I had any interest in it. Because uh-huh. because there's this idea, and you always hear these stories on the news about like someone who finds out that their baseball card collection from when they were a kid is now worth fifty thousand dollars. Or, or it's, yeah. well, that's the thing; it's usually not even a million dollars. It's like no, I know it's like hundred thousand, maybe. I don't know. Sure, that's still a lot of money. That's ridiculous. Right, still a lot of money. But it was like I was keeping these things in a very not intentional way, right? Like mm. I wasn't spending time looking at them. It wasn't something that I continued to research or to like see which ones I had and what sorts of sets would make better ones. Like, I think that's a really interesting hobby, but it wasn't yeah. mine, but I still kept the stuff anyway because it was like, well, at one point this was important. So maybe it'll be valuable someday. I, I can't, I can't get rid of it. 
And it just ended up collecting dust and like not being kept in good condition. So it's not even going to be valuable, even if it, yeah. if it might have. Totally. It's not like you're putting them in the little sleeves or whatever and like keeping them all filed. Yeah. Right. So I guess it, most things, most of us don't really keep things as nice as maybe a collector would. A collector mm-hmm. that you would think of putting everything in this n- very neat setting and right. uh, watching them, you know, grow in value over time. We we do, just as you said, kind of let them accumulate dust and then they end up just this clutter as opposed to something that brings us joy. Right. Like I see um, myself included when I had space, you know, for me, downsizing helped me get rid of this. But, you know, yeah. had a lot of things like pop figures, right? Or uh, yeah, of course. A- action figures or miniatures or things that would just end up being clutter and like being in the way when you're trying to find stuff or get to things rather than being something that I was actively interested in and that brought me joy Mm -hmm. all the time. Or, you know, maybe they brought me joy for a little bit, but after a while it's like you stop seeing them. It's just now it's just another thing that makes dusting take longer. Right. Yeah. Because now there's more stuff <laughs> on all your yeah, shelves. Yeah, the, the tchotchkes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, for sure is. I had this thought um, when, last time I was visiting Dedeker's sister with her. Uh, so her, Dedeker's brother in law, so her sister's husband, collects Transformers toys. And oh, wow. the thing that I was really struck by in at their house is that they have a room where there's a couple bookshelves that have all the Transformers toys on it. But uh-huh. they're free immaculate. Of, they're free of dust. They're immaculate. They're they're displayed nicely. Like mm. you can tell that time and attention is put into it, right? And that he's pretty active in like knowing he'll he'll be able to tell you like, oh, this thing is rare because it's from this particular series, or like, oh, this one was more commonplace, but I just really like it because of this character, blah, blah, blah. Or, yeah. you know, oh, I know what the value of this is. Or, oh, I'm looking for this one to complete this part of the set. If I find one for under this amount of money, I'll get it. Right? Like, he's a very conscious collector of that particular thing. And so that was one thing that struck me as like, mm, that's the kind of collecting yeah. that I've never really done. And that most people I know who have a lot of random action figures don't collect them like that either. Uh, and then two was that that was it that he didn't also have a collection of pop figures and gi joes and sure. model trains and whatever right he it limited like, it to one important thing to him exactly so that he actually can devote the time and attention to it yeah that's great so yeah it, this is interesting um the next one that we wanted to talk about, which is that it was expensive when I bought it and or it makes me valuable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, this is a <laughs> rough one for me because I do think of like like certain shoes even that I mm. know were that either like my mom bought me as a gift um, that was super expensive, but that I truly never wear anymore and that I eventually had to part with or things like that, just that I know, hey, I truly like don't use this anymore. Um, so, yeah, th- this is interesting because it, it can potentially be re- related to attachment styles. Um, but if you if you put those attachment styles onto stuff. So if we were raised uh, when we were little with not very much we might think that success is measured by having something like clothes or shoes or books or, you know, 
if if you did have parents that that ha- got you a lot of stuff as a kid, like honestly, like I was, you know, I, I really didn't ever have to want for much. I kind of just continued that into my adult life. And so that's kind of a, a similar thing, similar but different. So mm-hmm. it just based on what kind of happened in your youth. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like this, yeah, if we were raised with a lot of stuff, we may just still have that association. Or we might think that owning shelves full of pop figures or toys that we don't actively take care of means that we're free from, like, the rules of our parents or society or whatever, and that we're adults and we can do whatever we want. So, yeah, often, though, accumulating a lot of stuff sometimes gets us into debt, and it costs more money to have more stuff. And, mm-hmm. again, I know this from experience because... Yeah, that that is a thing that I'm really trying to work on this year, especially is that, like, if I see something and I want it, I don't necessarily need to buy it. Like, I can just tell myself, like, you know what? You know what's more important is, like, getting rid of your debt rather than, like, having that nether, mm. another cool <coughs> dress or whatever. Like, you really don't <laughs> need to freaking buy another thing. Yeah. 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 And also just, like, like the freedom one, I think, is very interesting. Cause I, I, like, I have a lot of friends who you know, weren't allowed to have certain things as kids. And so for them, it's like having all their action figures out in the living room or whatever. Uh It is like a sense of, yeah, see, this is my life. I get to do what I want, right? Like, it's like a way of asserting freedom. And I, I know that at least for me, a big difference that I noticed once I finally started paring down my things Mm -hmm. was that I felt more free when... Exactly. Because cause I wasn't like, gosh, you know, I couldn't move because it'd be so, it's so much work, right? I have to bring yeah. so much stuff with me to move. And and yeah, moving moving sucks. Moving stressful. But yeah. like there's degrees, right? Of just like I'm trapped. Mm-hmm. I'm trapped in this apartment. I can't ever move because there's too much stuff. It would be awful to try to move, right? Or just feeling like if I am going to move, I have to be sure the place is big enough to fit all my stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like I ended up feeling more trapped because of it, ironically, not feeling the freedom that maybe I thought I would have by having that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, This is something just to touch upon, because, again, I I very much can relate to this, that sales at a store or limited Mm. time offers, they kind of work in this similar way because they prey on our human instinct not to mix, not to miss out on a scarce resource or not to get like a deal. But they're yeah. not really scarce resources like in the same way that we might think about in it from an evolutionary standpoint. But yeah, mm. I mean, gosh, like how many freaking times have I looked and seen like J. Cruz having a sale or <laughs> J. Cruz having like 40% off of new items? Yeah, like, oh my God, let me look at it. It, it happens all the freaking time. Right. And. Yeah, I mean, geez, that's, I don't know, a hundred bucks or something that I could, again, throw at my debt rather than just doing the <laughs> the next freaking t-shirt from J. Crow that I have a million of already. Yeah. So let's look at how this applies more philosophically to relationships. And this is yeah. something that I think is kind of interesting. We don't need to spend a ton of time on it, but I think that if we look at it at relationships, it, there's some interesting things here. And so the first one that comes up for me, is labels and rules. And what I mean by labels is things like needing to call someone a boyfriend or girlfriend or call them primary or nesting partner or kind of like whatever the, or like I need to have that label put on me 
right? What, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then also I think rules where we're trying to say, if you're with me, you're not allowed to do these certain things. And like our default way that society does monogamy has a lot of rules, whether those come from religious teachings or they're just unspoken rules that we just kind of assume everyone. Often they're unspoken. <laughs> right. Almost always yeah. unspoken. Uh, yeah. And <clears throat> the, and then, then we also put a lot of value on labels in society, right? So, you know, we've talked before about single people being perceived as being less happy and also less responsible and things like that mm-hmm. compared to married people. And so I do think that we do internalize some of that kind of like that idea of owning lots of pairs of shoes makes me valuable. It's like getting to have this label makes me valuable And both. They're kind of like this way of taking an external thing and trying to like give yourself value from that. Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about multiple partners and this, how this maybe applies to like the idea of just so I think the mainstream dating world uh, or or non-monogamy sometimes can sort of see like acquiring partners or sexual conquests or whatever just as as the thing to do simply because we can. And and I know that we have talked about that, too, in non-monogamy that like, well, I'm am I really polyamorous if I'm not constantly going on dates and constantly mm. trying to find someone new Um, you know, am I missing out on someone amazing out there? I, and maybe I shouldn't say no to getting into a new relationship, things like that. I found that that's when I struggled with so much. I know you did. I I remember that for a long time. And and now you're just kind of like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to go crazy here. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, the one for me for a long time, even before I was polyamorous, even when I mm-hmm. was just like casually dating or whatever, is that if someone wanted to date me, I had a very hard time saying Say no. no, because kind of like you were saying about the sales or like the limited time offers, it's like, right. It's like wow. that scarcity men- mentality. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. if I don't take this now, I'm going to miss out and I'll be alone and everyone else will be dating and having sex and I won't. Right. Yeah. Like that's kind of like the that's psychology that's going on. I think people do the same thing with uh, staying in relationships too. It's like this, we have this sort of scarcity mentality of like, if I don't get this thing when I can and I don't keep it as long as I can, then somehow I'm less, right? Gonna lose it or I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna have an opportunity again maybe. Right. It is interesting like our instant gratification Mm. and yeah, I know for me like that's a big thing. It's just so in the moment getting something and feeling good about it is is a really interesting I don't know. That's just something to think about there. That yeah, we don't, it it may instantly feel good and spike our, what, endorphins or or something along those lines. Dopamine. Dopamine, I think is the one you're looking for. Yeah. But then eventually it's it's probably not going to necessarily fulfill you in the long term. So yeah, (laughs) that that next uh, article of clothing, it may feel good in the moment, but then afterwards you might be like, I don't know, I maybe shouldn't have done that. And then it might feel worse. Yeah. yeah. Can I can I hit you with just a fun little statistic before we move on to the next topic here? Please. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is interesting. So 
3.1% of children in the world live uh-huh. in America. But okay. 40% of the toys for kids in the world belong to American kids. Ooh, boy. The 40% of the toys in the world are owned by the 3.1% of children who live in America. And then <sighs> of the average, I forget what the number was, it's like 100-something toys that the average kid has. They play with 12 of them. So it, it is this thing. It of feels like, like my cats. <laughs> my cats have a million toys and they yeah. play with like two of them. And then yeah. all the rest of them are just whatever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, but I think that that it's not just to say like, gosh, we're terrible and excessive, even though we are. But it's also to look at that and go, I think that we're reflected in that as adults, too, where mm-hmm. it's like, say, you know, I own a hundred pieces of clothing, but there's really like this smaller set that I love that I actually wear, right. That I actually wear more often. Uh, and it just, just stuff like that where it's like, we, we lose sight of that because everyone else is doing it. So it's like, well, whatever, you know, everyone else's kid has a hundred toys. So my kid needs to have a hundred toys. I think we'd do the same with other things. Yeah. And I think it's hard. I I know for my mom, it was hard for her to not want to just give me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I and I get that. I mean, geez, it, for your it's like kid. how we show love. I think exactly. To, to yeah, our kids and, to and our I, partners. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm a you know, gift giving is really high on my my love languages, mm-hmm. and I want to do that as well for my partners or for people that I care about in my life. And so, yeah, <sighs> that's an interesting thing to think about as well. There yeah. there are many ways in which to show <laughs> love, and that's not a bad one. But yeah, it's yeah. something to think about. Okay, all right. So next topic. Sentimental, uh, which is attaching a lot of meaning to the stuff that you have. So either just memories of the thing or the memory of getting the thing. Uh, I know, yeah, for, for my mom and I think just for many parents in general, there tends to be a lot of stuff of like your kids, I don't know, growing up and their mm-hmm. paper that they wrote that they got an A on in seventh <laughs> grade and stuff like that. And just like it, it becomes so much. And I know... We live in a digitized world now much more than we did, but my grandmother uh, would have, you know, just boxes and boxes and boxes of photos, photo albums, things like that. And it is, it's it's fun to look through them, but my goodness, there's so much stuff that tends to get just like piled up and mm-hmm. and yeah, that one can look at over time. I don't know if your mom does a similar thing. Oh yeah, I mean, for the past couple years now whenever i'm home i will try to help my mom go through things and yeah me too and get rid of stuff and it's yeah it's it is tough like the sentimental stuff is tough the the funny thing is the funny thing i found is one is when i'm going through sentimental type stuff like boxes of like oh these are things from your childhood or whatever that there's a lot of things where you have to have that debate of like is this thing really that important or is this like just another one of those papers right i Mm -hmm. think there's that but then also in going through it there's also just a lot of crap that gets mixed in with it yeah right it's like okay maybe it's like this drawing that your kid did in first grade and it's like okay maybe i do want to keep that you know especially if it was like surprisingly good or surprisingly interesting for some (laughs) reason (laughs) right it's like okay maybe you want to keep that but i found that often in finding that thing you'll also find five other papers with just like random 
scribblings Shit. on it or yeah. d- right just like nothingness and and then on top of that the fact that it's like yeah i've got this thing that just sits in a box buried with unimportant crap mm-hmm. and so it's like really going through and being like if you're going to make the argument that this thing is sentimental and worth keeping then keep it well right yeah. like do something to keep it safer and keep it better keep it more accessible or, you know, if it's not, like, don't just, like, pile more shit in with it and just keep it because, uh, I don't know, it's important. Yeah. Um, my friend James, who I talked about before on this episode, he um, kind of had a big tragedy when he was in college. His house burned down. Mm. And it was it was a really, you know, intense time. But I know his parents have talked about since then that, like, it rid them of so much of that sentimental stuff that they were hanging on to because he's mm. one of three boys and, you know, they they just had all this stuff in the house. Yeah. And really it, it you know, allowed them in a way to just kind of cleanse themselves of that. It was also like terribly tragic and intense, but um, in a lot of ways they they saw the good in it just because it did help them get rid of a lot of the stuff that they just had kind of around yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was just talking with Dedeker about this and I'm sad she's not oh, here to of course. share it. Yeah, but her, of course. Her family's home just burned down two years ago in yeah, the in Paradise, Paradise, California in the fire. fires. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their whole city burned down, not just their house. Yeah, no, um, goodness. But similarly, Awful. you know, similarly, she lost lost everything of hers that was there. You know, her mom lost everything. And one thing kind of on the flip side to be like, she is sad about some of the things that got lost. Like in a way she said, it's been freeing sometimes, but it's also Mm -hmm. been sad sometimes when she realizes that she doesn't have this particular photo or some sentimental thing. Yeah. And something that we were talking about is digitizing photos, right. Of, of scanning photos and having them in digital photo albums so that we can actually have them in a place where we look at photos which is on our computers or on our phones instead of sitting in boxes where we don't look at them. Yeah. And it's one of those things where by putting that off, you, there is the potential to lose everything. Whereas yeah, by being I mean, intentional <laughs> about what you're keeping might also prompt you to digitize more of those things and then you'll be able to have some of them. Um, yeah. So I know that's something that she's been thinking about now of like, I want to be sure I'm saving stuff in a more intentional way instead of just being like, Hey, I'll stick it in a box and put it over there. It'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I think that's saying something. The fact that like two of the most important people in my life, like lost everything to fires. Yeah. And yeah, it can absolutely happen. Uh, So yeah, that's something to be aware of and just uh, evaluate the things that do really matter. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and and maybe compare them to each other. See see what is the most valuable thing in terms of like your sentimental stuff, like those pictures. Which one right. do I really care about here? Right. And which which, which ones just, can I just get rid of? Right. Yeah. Which ones are like random pictures of my feet or yeah. right? like, <laughs> when I was going through my photography phase? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So also, I would say like with the you know paintings from elementary school or something. It's like say you have a bunch of those. Take them all mm-hmm. out, like pick a few that are really meaningful and, you know, thank the others and let go of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ding. And, ding. And I think that that also then makes the ones that you do keep be more valuable. 
right? It's like it actually gives you more of a feeling of like, yes, I get to experience the joy of the sentimentality of this thing instead of it just being one of many similar things that I that I don't enjoy, right? Yeah. Um, and then the other one, this came up a lot in going through stuff with my mom, is like, which of these things are sentimental in a positive way and which mm. things are keeping you in the past and are sentimental about something that doesn't bring you joy? Right? That's interesting. Like, you know, for my mom, like things from, you know, her ex-husband or something where it's oh, like... Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, my mom, gosh, my mom had so many things from my father mm. that he had bought her um, right. when, you know, it, when he was helping around and stuff and she kind of like totally rid herself of all of it. And it was so unbelievably freeing for her. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. And it, that's a really big one. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Like stuff like that. Or even it doesn't even have to be like pictures or whatever or things with that person. And, you know, maybe maybe you do want to keep them for a little bit. But it was like even things like books on her bookshelves. It would be like. Yeah. Oh, be- yeah. Or, or the furniture. Yeah, like right. a random chair or something. Or yeah. or, yeah, she got rid of like the entire bed set and got mm. something else that yeah. was cheaper, but but hers right. and not something that he had bought her. Right. I also just, yeah. on the subject of books, I thought this, someone uh, told me this, gosh, years ago. I wish I could remember who it was, but they were talking about books and that <laughs> basically saying like that books, a lot of us think like, oh, books are valuable. They make me smart. They make me mm-hmm. important. And we'll often keep books even if we haven't read them. And we're and they're not yeah. like next on the queue. Like I think we all have had this experience of we have a book or several books that have been on our shelf for years. And every mm-hmm. time we see it, we go, man, I should get around to reading that book. And then we don't. Yeah. And this person basically was making the argument of like having that book there is actually causing you distress and anxiety every time you see it, even on a subconscious level, because it's reminding you of the fact that you're failing to read it. So basically they're saying like, when you're trying to downsize, it's like, look at it and go, I'm going to read that. I'm going to read it now or say, you know, I'll I'll donate it. I'll get rid of it. Like that, that it's, we have this weird thing of like somehow reminding ourselves of that anxiety is good for us somehow, (laughs) even though in reality Mm. you're still not reading the book and it's been years. Interesting. So let's talk about saving it for someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this idea that something that you have that you've kept around for a long time that maybe is sentimental in a way, like this might be useful someday. Yeah. My, my kids might want it. My <sighs> maybe kids that I might have. I don't know. This one's mine. Uh, this one's my yeah, bad one. Well, like with all the cords. With all the cords and electronics. Sure. It's like, oh, well. Yeah. I might need this type of cord or I might someday get a thing that needs this same type of adapter, right? I Yeah, like Josh and I had like boxes of electronics that mm-hmm. we like. I had like so many freaking iPhone and iWatch boxes and my oh, computer oh, box and boxes. shit. Yeah, just like the box. Uh, yeah, like yeah. not anything is even in it. It's just like the freaking box. And it's like, why in <laughs> the world do I have this still? But we had a freaking whole cabinet full of random ass boxes so yeah yeah stuff like that you probably won't need it it's fine <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's that one's the box one is interesting because Dedeker likes to bring that one up a lot too oh why because is that something you do or 
Well, it is something that I do sometimes and I've tried to become more conscious of it because I've seen both sides, right? Where it's like, you know, at my parents' house, they'll have just like boxes and boxes and boxes. And I've had like closets full of boxes for things that I've bought. I guess with this idea that maybe I'll want to return it or I'll need this box when I'm... But if I've had it for like freaking five years, like I do not need the freaking box. Right. Or like maybe I'll need this box to put it in when I move or maybe I'll resell this thing and then I'll need the box. Yeah. And I found though that there I, are just, other ways. I just ended up with a bunch of boxes, right? Exactly. No, and, and you, it's can, like, you can like move it in a better way than just like putting it back in the box. Right. But the one thing I will say about this is I do think there are certain circumstances where keeping those boxes does make sense. And that's going to, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit on our list of things to talk about this here. Okay. Which is, this is the difference between something that's just in case and something that's just for when. Okay. Uh, And this also comes from the minimalists.com. I really like this, but basically it's like just in case is what we're talking about that, right? It's like, well, maybe someday I might need this for that. You know, I might need this in some unknown situation that may or may not happen. That's like a just in case. And we end up holding on to a lot of crap. Whereas just for when is I have something that I'm not using right now, but there's a concrete time in the future when I know I'm going to use this thing. Mm -hmm. So like the example is buying toilet paper that if you were like, I can never have anything that I'm not actively using. It's like you buy your toilet paper one roll at a time, (laughs) right? And you, you're not going to do that. That's silly. Because you yeah. you know you're going to use it. So it's okay totally. to buy it in advance. So I think with boxes, this same kind of logic can apply. Where for me, um, for a couple of years, I was buying either a phone or a computer with the intention of I'm going to sell this in a year. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to buy the new one. And basically, like I kind of crunched some numbers and Wait, did some math. are you saying that you don't do this? You do still do this? No, like I do you still. Did this yeah. this year. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> and for those, I keep those boxes because okay. I can sell it for more in its original box. And I know huh. concretely I am going to sell this. Right? Yeah, that's like your one vice, I swear. Electronics? That you like, oh, yeah. I yeah. love them. Oh, I love yeah. them. yeah. But like your freaking state of the art computer is in state of the art phones like every single year. And I have the same right. computer that I've had since 2015. And I'm like, yeah. it's still trucking. Yeah. But so here's, yeah. the, here's the interesting thing, though, is that now what I'll do is I'll very intentionally be like, I'm going to sell this phone or this computer and I'm going to get a new one. Yeah. And what I used to do was maybe not quite as often because I couldn't afford to do it quite as often, but I would get the new phone or the new computer and I would keep the old one, which would end up uh. in a closet and would eventually stay there until it was totally useless. Right. Like I yeah. had, I had my iPhone one for like what eight years after that. Like, I, I think I still had my, my iPhone one when you and that I, it's like a relic when you and I lived when, together, which really? was many, oh many gosh. years after that was a relevant phone yeah, at all. That shit came out in 2007. Right. I know, like, I know when I got it. <laughs> and then, it, yeah, we lived together starting in, like, 2011. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> That's like, amazing. I, I would keep things like that. And what I realized mm-hmm. when I sort of did some number crunching later is I was like, if I intentionally sell this thing right, yeah. right when I want to get the new phone... It ends up being like, I get some good money for the thing because it's only a year or two old, as opposed yeah. to holding on to it for maybe, and then eventually it's worth nothing. 
right? Yeah, so that's, totally. that was something for me, just on the boxes thing. I know that was a tangent, but... <laughs> no, it's all good. So wait, what's just for when? So was, we... Yeah, 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 yeah. Essentially that same thing. So like just in case and just for when... Just like you, you might need more stuff eventually, and and then just in case is like, well, I know that I'm going to sell this thing, so other other way it'll around, happen. other way around. Oh, okay, yeah. The just in case is that like, uh, why are you keeping this thing? Like, if you look at stuff in your house and you go, why am I keeping this? And you say, oh, yeah. well, just in case, which means like I might need this or want okay. this at some yeah, time, yeah, yeah. right? Like I'm going to keep this old uh, pair of pants that doesn't really fit me, and I've never really liked, and it's not comfortable. I'm going to keep it like just in case of I feel like I need to wear them at some point. Right. In like, my, yeah. And, and if I want to be uncomfortable. Right. Or like maybe I'll want it as part of a costume someday mm. or right. Like we, we can come <sighs> so up many with costume pieces. We uh, can come up with reasons like that. But yeah. But like here's the trap is that every now and then one of those things that you kept just in case will come in handy. Right. Like every now and, and it happens to me every now and then it's like, oh, I do have that cord because I did save that thing. Or, oh, yeah. oh, you know, I do have a box that'll fit this thing because I kept all these boxes that every now and then it pays off. And mm-hmm. that's what keeps us doing it. It like justifies yeah. it to us. But if you think about it, well, OK, hear this. According to L.A. Times, the average U.S. Mm-hmm. household has 300,000 things. That's in wow. That's yeah. a ridiculous number. <laughs> yeah, three hundred three hundred thousand. Yes, um, and oh. I was like, no, pff, I don't have nearly that many things. And when I started downsizing and getting rid of things, literally, you know, when you go to Goodwill and there's those big wheeled uh, yeah. basket type oh, things, yeah. not like the shopping yeah, baskets, but the big like no, rubber like donation totally things. I know exactly what you're talking about. I filled up. You can like fit in like multiple people in those things. Right, right. I filled up, I think, three of those. Wow. Completely with the bags of stuff I had. And I still had a bunch of stuff left. So it's just, it's, it's mind blowing how we can just, everything just gets crammed into little corners. Little nooks and crannies. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, what I'm trying to get at though, is that maybe every now and then one of those things will become useful later Mm -hmm. but what we will tend to see like oh see that was useful but what we miss out on is the fact that we've been spending more money for the more space to keep all these things it's been causing anxiety in our lives potentially causing fights and arguments with our partners Mm -hmm. like we've been paying this very large cost that we tend to not notice for like a very small reward Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know So, yeah, we hope that this was helpful to you all today. We kind of wanted to wrap it up just by saying that minimalism, we hope that it can help you in your life. Uh, It can sort of first look like just an extension of disposable culture, just like get rid of everything and, you know. And then buy new ones and then get rid of them. Yeah, totally. Exactly. But, you know, clutter has been shown to contribute more to overbuying and buying things that you already have like say you have a can opener and you can't find it and it's like well crap i guess i got rid of that or something and then you buy another one and then you realize like i don't know a year later you have five freaking can openers so (laughs) yeah i mean and this is often just because we can't find things we Mm -hmm. have too much we can't remember if we had this thing that one and the clutter yeah yeah not just that we can't find it but we can't remember if we have them because there's too many things 
Exactly. There's too much stuff just clouding like our life. You know, when you you're trying to look for something and you can't find it just simply because there's so much stuff around. It's like mm-hmm. I can't, you know, get rid of those things in my mind that I'm seeing in order to find the thing that I'm actually looking for. So, yeah. And we may do things like I do often, which is use retail therapy as a way to avoid being at home in our clutter. Mm. So, yeah. And then that just causes us to get more clutter. So yeah. we hope that this this helped Maybe just think about things. Think about ways in which you can declutter your life because hopefully it will help you to become a happier person in various ways and help your relationships to be happier as well. Yeah. Something that I really appreciate about the Marie Kondo approach to decluttering Mm -hmm. is that it's not about this question of, oh, well, you can only have this many clothes or like, oh, you can't have any of these sorts of things or your drawers all have to be empty. It's just being honest with yourself about does this thing bring joy to my life? You know, does it spark joy as she says, does Mm -hmm. this bring joy to my life or does it not? Is this actually adding stress and anxiety to my life? Or is this, you know, is this something that I'm holding on to because I think I have to. Um, So I really like that way of looking at it. Um, And then the last thing I'll say that her other thing is um, when you are getting rid of something, is to thank it. And, you know, it's for her, it comes from, uh, you know, she was like a Shinto shrine maiden as a younger woman. And like for her, it's sort of tied up in, in this idea of like things have spirits essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, that you are actually talking to that thing and thanking it. But I found for myself, even not believing in that, that that practice has been really helpful because it's like, then I don't feel like I'm just callously throwing away everything that I once cared about. It's like, no, like, Hey, this thing was great. Let me take a moment to really like appreciate Mm. how great this was when it was great. And then also either let go of it to the trash or maybe even better (laughs) or maybe even better is to give it away or donate it to someone who it will be joyful for. Right. Like, yeah. It, Cause like how many times as college kids did you find stuff at a thrift store that was like, Oh my gosh, wow. I finally found this thing that I needed yeah. so badly and I can't afford to get one. And now you might have that same sort of thing sitting in your house, not bringing you joy, causing you clutter, causing stress in your relationships and in your life, you could be giving that joy to someone else and bringing more joy to your own life. So that's awesome. Heck yes. Love that. <laughs> So for our bonus today, uh, if you want to stick around, our patrons, you're going to get our bonus episode. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of these just-in-case situations, as well as sharing something called the 2020 rule. Um, as they say, hindsight is 2020, and the year mm. is 2020. So <gasps> You're right. Wow. 2020 hashtag. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in the bonus, and we're really excited to see you there. We would love to hear your thoughts. If you have thoughts about this, if you've had an experience with minimalism or you've struggled with this, we want to know about it. And so do other listeners. And the best place that you can share is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. Or you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. 
Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.